We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Go Blue with Stu. I'm your host, Stuart Douglas, with me for, what, the third, fourth, fifth, sixth time, who knows, from The Athletic, Brendan Quinn. Yeah, it's been, I think you're my most popular guest now. I think I'm just a cheap date, Stu. <laughs> you know what, though? <laughs> cheap dates always turn out the best. I was going to, I don't know where you were going to take that, but I, I can assure you that today probably won't be as fruitful for you, pal. <laughs> well, yeah, that could have gone a number of ways, but I'll tell you what, the fancy stuff never goes well. This mm-hmm. is the stuff I enjoy. I think I think that's a life lesson we learned, to be honest. True story. Yeah. Learn that learn that early. Oh yeah. Yeah. That that enjoy the people you're around, not the stuff that's around you. Um yeah, so you recently, obviously right for the athletic, recently you've been getting blown up about this beeline article you've written and it's called john beeline the quintessential college coach and the lessons he can't explain and it was i had my buddy text me about it it was an interesting look i've tried to explain this to people like even in college and like with sports in general like how much luck plays a part in everything we do and it was interesting to see john not like come to grips with that, but like just really like think about it and think about his career. I was like, oh yeah, all these things do have to fall into place for it to happen. And he's not that type of guy. I think I think mm-hmm. he's like more of like, all right, we're gonna keep pressing forward. We're not gonna think too much back besides you know yesterday's practice or game. 
And so I was, I'm curious, like you writing that article and what you thought you were going to get out of them and what you did get out of them and kind of like where he's at now. Uh, was right. it what you were expecting quote wise and like perspective wise from him? No, I mean, uh, for a guy that I've written far too much about, frankly, um, <laughs> it, it takes kind of a lot to be like surprised at this point, you know, yeah. um, because, you know, if, if anything, the more surprising thing would be like a total unloading of like, you know, just really like opening a vein up, you know what yeah. I mean? Because like that's never going to probably be him. And that was um, kind of always the way it is. And it's totally fine. But like the where the story came from was, you know, we just talked this summer and um, it was, like you know, we weren't, weren't talking for a story. We we're just talking like normal humans. And um, I knew he was going into the Hall of Fame and just mentioned something to him like, like, hey, you know, if if you want to do something around that, if there's anything you want to talk about, if there's whatever, like, you know, let's reconnect and we can talk, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Um, And so that's kind of really where it came from as it actually the the Hall of Fame itself kind of snuck up. I was like, oh, you know, shit, it's like a week away or something like that. Like, you know, kind of kick the tires. Like if you want to do something, we got to do something. And then it was just, uh, you know, call you Friday and just calls Friday. And, um, you know, when I asked him, I'm like, you're going into the college hall of fame, that it's different. It is different than the Naismith hall of fame. It is, you know, kind of the, the subculture of the basketball culture. Um, you know, when you think of yourself as a college coach, what really jumps out to you? And he he goes, you know, kind of theme wise, he goes right to building programs and, you know, taking these places that are just completely in shambles and then building them up and moving on is, I think, kind of his marker of like what he did. So it's not really like measured in wins and the final fours and NCAA tournament appearances. I think it's this process of like finding something that's broken and fixing it through his neurosis, through his process, through his whatever. Right. Yeah. Um, But I do do think you're right that like in, in the time of being able to take a step back, um, you do try, you, you do start to realize like all the things that were probably out of your control way more than you can ever do in the moment. And, you know, a lot of like what he said in this and it didn't really come from um, the, like me asking specifically about those jobs. It was, you know, him saying, man, the, the, that first Canisius team I had was just in, incredible. And, and, you know, they, they put it all together in that second year. And I was just so lucky to get those guys. And then at Richmond, it was the same thing. I was just so lucky that those were the guys that I got there. And then you have to wonder like, well, okay. Then the op- obvious question is, well, what if you didn't get those guys or what if you took a different job or what if any number of, of things like he almost didn't take the Richmond job. He turned it down the first time. He told me a story I'd never heard. It didn't make it in the story. So I'll just tell it here. Um, But when Richmond came the first time, so he would have been through five years at Canisius, right. Um, Was kind of a name generating interest. I think generally as a guy who was going to get a job. Um, But after this, at that point in the season, 
I guess. I guess Kathleen's father had just passed. So John's wife, Kathleen, I, I think her father had just passed. So it was this very kind of emotionally charged time for the family. There's a lot going on, et cetera, et cetera. And, and then Richmond comes calling and it was just kind of a, can't do it. There's just too much going on. We're, we're not going to do it. Yeah. Um, legendary Richmond AD, Chuck Boone, um, like kind of did the old, like, let's just put a pin in it. Let's just put a pin in it. I'll see you at the final four. And John kept telling him like, oh, no, no, it's not, it's not happening. And he goes, let's just, you know, we'll, we'll catch up at the final four. We'll go have a cup of coffee. And, uh, and then so John and Kathleen were driving out to the final four that year and, and talking about it. And I think Kathleen said, like kind of said that she was at a place that she would be okay with it and blah, blah, blah. But, but John was more, more focused on telling Chuck Boone that he was not taking this job. So he's like, you know what? The first uh, rest stop I see in Ohio or in Indiana, I'm going to pull off. I'm going to find a payphone, and I'm going to call Chuck and I'm going to tell him I'm not taking the job and that we shouldn't even bother meeting at the final four. Mm-hmm. And so he hits the first exit and it was Richmond, Indiana was the first <laughs> exit and he, and he gets out and of course john john takes it as some kind of omen whatever goes in gets on the payphone i'm guessing chuck up the offer to some larger sum of money or it made it more enticing whatever but he ended up accepting over the phone basically and gets back in the car and says we're moving to richmond so like <laughs> all those things that happen right like who who knows you know or if he took any of those other jobs if he took colgate if he got the colgate job or if he got the army job like yeah you just never know we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. There was a story I heard about IU about Indiana mm-hmm. uh, before he took the Michigan job that essentially it was his. And then there was a miscommunication and they, they hired uh, uh, Tom Green. Yeah. So it was like, what if Beeline was at IU? Would that have worked? Like with the type of kids, like with that atmosphere, um, you wrote about it. I don't remember. Uh, I think in 19 when, they were going through their coaching search and you said IU 
burns all the bulbs. They burn out all the bulbs. And it was like, <laughs> would he have been good in that atmosphere? So it's like a guessing game um, that you just can never answer. And it's interesting, the point you brought up, but he brought up programs because mm -hmm. which it takes the least amount of luck, right? That takes the most work and skill. And it's like, you know, it wasn't making a final four or Jordan Poole shot that propelled them to a national championship game. Like those weren't his moments. Cause he knows, I think, you know, those are probably purposeful for, by him. Like, yeah, like those things just happen. Like what I did was my legacy mm -hmm. and building up all of that. Um, but yeah, the amount of luck that that takes the, and like all of it from players to the co who, who your coaching staff is. I mean, I, people never talk about that. Like our success starting my junior year, like that was the full coaching staff, like really overhauled everything and what it took to really run a program. Uh, it was, yeah, it was mind blowing to think about like, Oh, you, all you see is like head coach and like a couple players that we talked about. It's like right top to bottom who you got. I mean, you could have a director of basketball operations guy start ruining kids minds <laughs> in the behind the scenes. Like you don't know what's going to happen. So it's uh it was interesting to to just think about it all, but from your perspective, covering him since 2013, mm -hmm. you've seen him. I think you really saw him evolve as a coach then, and then you've seen him like retire and go through mm -hmm. the troubles with Cleveland, and now he's kind of in a good spot uh, with the Pistons. Uh, you know, talking to just simply talking to him person to person yeah like how was it this past year kind of where he's at and then like how have you seen that evolve throughout the years have you, is, is there is there an answer there yeah um you know i mean it's been interesting because a, a point a part of it's like anything else where it's you know when some suddenly when you're a when you get older and b when you know like i imagine you speak to john and other coaches and other people differently than you did you know five ten years ago just because you're older and yeah. I kind of have, you know, a similar thing in general, you know, yeah. that it's just kind of the, the relationships change. And, um, you know, I, I, I don't cover him as a beat writer and, you know, there, it's more of more of a kind of natural conversations and, you know, John's always, he's a very guarded person. It takes a lot of time to kind of earn trust, which I've always really respected and stuff like that, that, there is kind of a degree of, of uh, you got to earn it, man. You better put your work in here, you know? And, uh, and I think the, I think the combination of, of just time and um, from him, the, the combination of the time that's passed and um, realizing that like, he's not going to be able to change what, happened like he's not gonna be able to change the decision that he, he left michigan he's not gonna be able to change what happened yeah. in cleveland he's not gonna you know um i think coming to peace with that like those were his words like i have come to peace with that and i think as that process has played out he's probably been more willing to um just talk in general because you know like I, I feel like when something goes sideways like that like your natural inc inclination is to think that like, that's all anyone's going to want to talk about, or like, yeah, yeah, that's going to, that's how people like, that's the lens that they're looking at you through. You know what I yeah. mean? Um, and just as you move on from it, it becomes easier to kind of be yourself a little bit more. 
And I do think a little bit like later in life, like John's probably able to be way more like himself than he was as a coach where he had to be this super guarded guy. Like you're, I think you, maybe you're getting more of like the Buffalo version of the dude. You know what I mean? Like when I like have hung out with his old buddies from like back in Buffalo, I'm like, you like those guys are maniacs. There are, there are like, they're nuts. A bunch of like misfits. They're great guys. Just like incredible bullshitters and like, amazing characters and all that stuff and you're you know when when we would only see the kind of like buttoned up version of john you know I'm, yeah. i would like always have like kind of some trouble marrying i'm like these are your friends oh yeah <laughs> wait a second you know so I, I feel like maybe you're getting more of the the, the guy that is <laughs> that he really is as opposed to like the i'm the head coach at michigan and no one can see me have a beer in public and blah blah, blah. you know what i mean like all yeah, that. yeah yeah <laughs> oh yeah that's it's uh my, my mom used to get so pissed because once a year he would invite all of his buffalo buddies and they i think he gave them like really good tickets to an ohio state game i don't remember what it was and then some of the parents were like up high and my, mom, <laughs> my mom did not like that whatsoever and i was like yeah but you know it's his buddies it's once a year and like he's he's the coach so like i kind of understand it but yeah they i don't think that happened again after my mom can, like, <laughs> yeah, but, uh, you, yeah. can i ask you do you think his relationships have um changed with ex-players now that he's not an actual active coach i think so yeah i mean i don't i don't think i really talked about it on here but I don't, I didn't really talk to him from like time I was 23 until like the pandemic hit. Like I didn't talk to him really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he called me and I'm on the, my, on the Monon trail in Indy and I'm riding my bike and I'm going through some life events that I'm struggling mm-hmm. with. And he called me and I was like, huh, oh, this is fitting. We just had a normal conversation and he goes you know we should do this more often i got so many players like i just he kind of like was defending himself like we haven't yeah. talked to the years but like you know i can't I, you know even if i called one player a week it wouldn't be enough blah blah, blah kind of that thing and i was like you don't have to i didn't say this was like he didn't have to explain himself like i was never expecting him to yeah. do that anyways but like you feel that burden from coaching so many people. I mean, he's got so many people always wanting to talk to him. Coaches, in, your, in the article you wrote, um, coaches calling him about advice mm-hmm. about building up a program. So I think he's been able to take a step back and reach out more. I mean, we're putting together a weekend where my team and the surrounding years are going to go to a football game next year. We're going to – I think they're represent, they're um, presenting or honoring the 2013 Final Four team at – at Michigan or Michigan state at Michigan this year in February, I'm going to be at that. And we've been mm-hmm. in communications. Um, we, he actually just started up a group text with some of our guys like a few mm-hmm. days ago. That was the first time we've ever done that. So mm-hmm. it is cool to see that a little bit. Um, and I always had a unique relationship with him and my college experience in general. That's taken me time to sit back and reflect on and be like, oh yeah, this is nice to have these relationships, right? Um, and you know, you divorce yourself from all the emotions of playing and being a part of a program. Like it's it's draining, and it's amazing. Yeah. To your point, with him getting farther away from the Cleveland thing, you certain people recharge at different moments, 
and at different time spans. And you got to separate yourself for a while. And some people are like, all right, I, I got over it. I had a quick therapy session. I'm good to go. We're, mm-hmm. we're good to go. And then somebody like, yeah, you just need three years to build that back up and be like, all right, I want these relationships. I want to get back into Michigan basketball. Like I've just started to become like a fan of Michigan basketball, like in the past two or three years, like I never really was because I was so separated from it. So it's, it's fun to see that. And it's fun to see him kind of connect uh, for us to have that connection. Um, and yeah, we'll see where it goes, but yeah, he's definitely like turned, I think turned a page that way, but right. It's uh, it's interesting to see you do things you never expect. You just like you can't foresee all these things. Yeah, and like when when you think about his past, like you use the word recharging, which is I think pretty apt. Like one of the things that sticks out to me about him is so look at it this way. So he had the Lemoyne job for whatever what, like eight nine years, right? Um, in so he got the Canisius job in 92 and he was like 39 or 40 so like that's how old i am now right yeah and so like i try to think of how exhausting it would be to like do like the rebuild thing like that sounds like a young man thing like you know 30 years old 25 years old whatever and i'm now i'm sure john and other coaches would laugh and be like you're young you're 40 right but like i'm tired yeah yeah. like you're getting up there a little bit my man like it it, (laughs) like the idea of doing what he like continued to do when he did it to me just seems brutal. And I asked him that like, so, okay, if he got Canisius when he was 39, that means five years later, he got Richmond. So he would have been 44 ish. So then it would have been going to West Virginia five years after that rebuilding that program. And then five years after that, going to Michigan and rebuilding that like one thing I asked him was like at any point where you like I don't feel like doing this again <laughs> I'm just going to stay here and all these phone calls I'm getting I'm just going to be like no I'm staying yeah. at West Virginia or I'm staying at Richmond I'm just going to build this thing out I'm just going to be happily be the coach here for 30 years because I don't feel like starting over and he said yes that he did feel that way and that he did mm. think about that but it was his like natural place. And I think there was an underlying concern that he had brought places to success that weren't totally sustainable. Yeah, and yeah. that's, and that's gotta be a thing as a coach when it's like, you turn, you take Canisius to the NCAA tournament. Okay, man. Well, you're not, that's it. Like you're not gonna go to a final four at yeah. Canisius or, you know, like if you get to Richmond and you pull off the big upset, in the tournament, right? Yeah. That's it, man. Like, you're probably not going to do much better. So, I feel like he would take these places to these heights, and then kind of have that that sinking feeling of like, oh, oh my god, like, can I keep doing this here? And then when you, which in hindsight is really interesting when you think about Michigan and how like what what was going on inside that head, you know, from 13 to 15 when he goes to the Final Four. And then, you know, two years later, that was a 500 team. And yeah, there were injuries and extenuating circumstances, but like the people were already talking like, oh man, that, tr-, you know, Trey Burke took Michigan to the final four, not John oh, yeah. you know, like you, you were already hearing it. And like, I do wonder if there were any thoughts in there of like, 
might be time to go, you know, yeah. like I did my five year thing. Maybe I should uh, bounce. And instead, you know, why Michigan is the outlier in his career is that he didn't leave and took him back to the final four in 18. And, you know, who knows what would have happened if he stayed. I think that's to me, that was his biggest accomplishment. The second a, final four. Yeah. For from sure. a program standpoint where it was like, no, we're going to charge ahead. We're doing it the right way. We don't have all the NBA guys like we did in 13. That doesn't matter. And to prove that you could do it that way again, like that was a, that was a big deal. But the, I've told a story a few times or like just talked about it. It's not really a story, but he was on the hot seat my junior year, apparently. Mm. And I had no idea until like I graduated and the, the media was like, oh yeah, like, people were calling for his head i'm like i was i was i was worried about the next clip mistake i made on, on film like I, I couldn't even think of a fathom that and i was like because the whole time he i didn't think he was doing a bad job mm. now that doesn't necessarily mean you should keep the job or that you're good right. enough for it but we were like nothing had changed from my freshman year which was funny like we were doing the same things we had just changed coaching staffs my junior year and we were just doing like the exact same thing. And like eventually, I mean, we had a coming to Jesus moment as a team, changed that whole season around and then that whole trajectory right. just sent off. But I mean, he was doing the same stuff over and over and it, but it is, it's like that Harbaugh effect, right? It's like a, he had it in the NFL. He had his first time in Stanford and definitely in the NFL you know, they loved him. He went out with a ball fire. He went to the Super Bowl. And then the players were like, can't stand this guy. We got to move on. Yeah. Like they captured a moment. They captured a feeling. They captured an energy. And then like with standing and energy, like dealing with a guy for four years is a long time. Yeah, it is a long time. So college basketball is perfect for those types of situations. Like you, it's it's so different. I feel like for NBA guys, like you got to be Phil Jackson. You got to be people person. In mm -hmm. basketball, like you can, you can just capture a moment with a guy and be like, this is your snapshot of four years. We're going to do this in your four years. So it, it's, I'm kind of rambling here, but it is interesting to look at how he was able to stay at Michigan. Um, but that Michigan job was completely different for him. It was mm -hmm. like, that was supposed to be the final spot. Mm -hmm. And I remember them talking the first couple of years. I talked with some coaches or like people, media, whoever, like that was supposed to be his final spot. And, he didn't know what to do with it at first. <laughs> he was like, how yeah. do I recruit? Like, people want to come here. This doesn't make any sense. I have to offer a 16-year-old kid? Like, what do you mean? And it was right. like, yeah, if you want to build a program you want to stay at, you got to do these things like a Duke and a Kansas. Mm -hmm. You got to do all these things a little different. So it was, uh, yeah, it was quite the journey for him. I don't know if he ever talked about that from your time, 13, till he retired or till he uh, moved on from Michigan at all in terms of, like, how he built up the program that way since he got there in terms of like how he viewed it. Yeah. Uh, not, not that I recall. I don't, maybe, maybe we talked about it. Um, I mean, because anytime you would talk about it as a job or as a program, all it was was just how great Michigan is. And now it's just this, 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 right. And it's just a, it's just the hard sell all the time. And you're like, I get it. I know. Yeah. It's <laughs> probably, yeah. Fine. yeah. But like, I do remember being in his office after like Harbaugh got hired. Right. And it was just like, 
you know, Michigan football was just getting all the attention in the world. It was hardball, hardball, hardball all the time. And I was in his office one day and I'm like, you're, I, you're just loving this because nobody cares about you or basketball or any of this. And he was like, it's great. Uh, this is, this is perfect. <laughs> perfect. Like, that was his ideal is just like, I'm the best, like being like, basically, you know, the, the basketball coach at Canisius, like that, that level yeah. of attention, but with the, um, the, the, the money and the assets and all the stuff that Michigan has at its disposal, but with the attention of the Canisius coach, like that's what he, he wanted to somehow be able to marry those, uh, those two things. Um, no, it's always, but, it's more fun to be the underdog. Mm-hmm. That's for mm-hmm. sure. But the, like you know, the point of the luck thing, I, I think is what really is what sticks to me. Like your team coming together, and changing the entire trajectory of his time at Michigan is like, those are the, like I'm as a storyteller, like those are the things I'm just fascinated by in terms of like deconstructing history and like what would have happened. And like, I love all that crap. Right. And, and it's like, when you talk to these old coaches, it's not just beeline. It's, it's all, it's all these guys and, and yeah. women who have, you know, led teams and had these 10 years and stuff like that. Um, those pivotal moments are just like embedded in their minds of like those, like what if that game had gone differently and you don't know where they are. And but like, so when we talked for this story, he was walking down Rodeo drive, drinking coffee because the Pistons were out there. So he's walking down Rodeo drive, complaining about the co- the price of the coffee that he's drinking. And is and we're we're talking about these kind of flashbulb moments and he goes back to i think i mentioned it in the story the the richmond game at marist which i had never heard of Mm. yeah he's never mentioned it to me blah 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 but he started talking about this game that was in 1989 and or was it that early i don't know whenever the hell it was um he started talking about this game as if he as if it were like last week yeah, 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 it was it was incredible. He's like, we had just lost to Western Michigan. <laughs> we were off to a slow start. Uh, we're we got pantsed in the first half. We're losing by eighteen or whatever at Marist. And I'm thinking to myself, like, this is it. Like the whole thing is coming undone. Like we might not make it. Yeah. So he's t- he's having like an existential crisis going into halftime at Marist. <laughs> like, am I going <laughs> to lose this job? Is my career over? Whatever. And like he didn't make any coaching adjustment. He just went in and was just like, guys, we got to turn this thing around. And, yeah. and his group of 19 and 20 year olds were like, just turned into a bunch of shit kickers, suddenly went out and outscored Marist by 20 points in the second half, went on, had a decent year, made the tournament one more time, like a year later, whatever. He got the West Virginia job two years after that. But then he's yeah. like, well, what happened if the Marist game didn't? <laughs> like, that's just crazy to me. I know it's it's crazy to me when people mention that with my team in the Michigan State game, like yes, yeah, and I'm like, I don't know, I feel like we still could have made the tournament losing that game because, like, in my <laughs> mind, we were doing all the right things, you know. And I think I even said that like after the game, like people, you know, it was a huge deal for everyone, right? And I'm like, yeah. after the game, I was like, I think you know, even if we lost, we made big strides. And I feel like people like thought I was an idiot for saying that, like, because obviously it's a win lose situation yeah. um yeah in my mind he was just always one foot in front of the other and it was just gonna mm-hmm. work out. you do the right things and it was gonna work out and i 
my parents had taught me that early on and he just obviously took that to a whole new level and in all the different situations. I was like, yeah, you just, I don't know, you figure it out. Like it just, it'll figure itself out. You do the right things. Um, so it's funny to reflect on like the small details because you can do it <laughs> over and over again. But yeah. Uh, where was I going to finish this? I had a thought. I don't know. I'm all out of thoughts. Speak you. Too but, early. AM yeah, podcasting is always a dangerous proposition. I've oh, man. myself. Yeah, it's well, podcasting in general, especially when you get me and if I ramble for over a minute and you're just like, you just like, where was I going with this again? <laughs> but yeah, it's um, it's fun. You I'll think he gets it. into Naismith? <sighs> that probably I don't know. My dad asked me about the college one. I'm like, oh, definitely. Like, he, he was, that yeah. was no brainer. Naismith, I've been confused about the Naismith before. So, mm-hmm. yeah, oh, yeah. We'll see. But, I'm curious if that zero national championships hurts him a little bit. It's tough. It's tough. Yeah, that'll be tough. But when when is that determination if he's in the field? Or I don't know. I mean, he still has to get like I think on the official ballot too. Right. So there's a whole process for that. Yeah. Did he Did he talk about that? No. Yeah. Did you ask him? I don't think so. And there's there's just like things that you know. Like I've talked to John enough, both as like a pedestrian and as a reporter um, <laughs> where like, you know, he's just not gonna, he's not going to sit there and be like, yes, it would mean a lot to me to get in the nation. He would never say that out yeah. loud. I yeah. don't think in his mind, I yes, I think it would be massive, but um, yeah. Isn't that funny. He's like in a spot where he's like trying to be accepting, like you get older and you're trying to be accepting your whole career. And then there's still that one thing hangs over your head <laughs> and you got to say, I'll be fine without it. And then it happens and they these grown men are just sobbing and they're like, <laughs> and it's like, yeah, you really wanted that one, didn't you? Yeah, you right, right, that. right. You're like, you're so full of it, man. Yeah. You know. Yeah. That's funny how that works. But that's that's life. You just gotta like fake it till you make it, as Nancy Douglas. Yeah. Said. It was, I mean, it was fun to write it. Um, but, you know, it's been a minute. Um yeah. the last time I wrote about John was, you know, when the kind of the floor came out in Cleveland and um I didn't even you know, obviously didn't talk to him, but yeah. Yeah. so it was it was nice to write him about it again it was uh i was joking with my friends last night like remember that lcd uh lcdc or what am, I'm, I'm having a glitch uh lcd sound system thank you okay um you know th- their final show was like shut up and play the hits uh, that, yes. that's what it that's what it felt like here it's like you know just yeah when in doubt you know we got a black friday sale go 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 tap a the beeline well and see what stories. Yeah. Are. Let it write itself. It'll, it'll come to, it'll come to be not too bad, but yeah. Uh, Zoom is about to kick us off in 30 seconds yep. and I cannot stand to do this again. Those these podcasts I have just been piecing some of these together. My producer's going to kill me, but BQ, I appreciate you. We'll have to get you back on and talk some actual Michigan basketball. Would love that. Um, and I got to ask you about golf one of these days. So we'll, we'll get you back on, but yeah. All, appreciate course, you, my man. Man. All right. Sounds good.